Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard, or shall I say, the movie mausoleum. We are your film necromancers, Laura Prince and Noah Houlihan. We've come here tonight to discuss the worst films of the year. It's Razzie Month, y'all. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. It's okay to be scared sometimes. Yep, welcome to Stay Doomed Razzie Month. Razzie Month. And it is Doolittle. Yes. Uh, Doolittle was one of the films that actually came out in theaters. Yes, one of the few. Yeah, uh, we've actually known that we were going to have to watch this. Essentially, uh, what day was Doolittle released? The, the day it came out, I was like, we were like, oh, this is a Razzie movie right here. Yeah. It's when, coming out in January, so you know. Yeah, uh, we knew January 17th, 2020, which was its release date. I think we knew from trailers before then. Oh, uh, yeah, but we, we could not have seen... I think we knew while we were recording last year's Razzies. I, I think you might be... Because I believe we saw our first Doolittle experience... Uh, was ahead of Cats. Yeah. I believe we saw a trailer for it in front of Cats. Uh, this movie was extremely expensive, and it only grossed about... It grossed about a quarter billion dollars worldwide, and it wasn't the top ten highest grossing movies of 2020. Oh, what do you know? <laughs> but, you know, we stopped really releasing movies wide after... I believe one of the last things to be released was Onward. What was that damn movie with Russell Crowe? I don't remember. Frailty? Yeah, and we didn't have to watch it. Yeah, I kind of thought it was going to be on this list, because I was like... Because we were deep in the pandemic. Unhinged? Unhinged, yes. Because that came out, like, deep in the pandemic, up against, like, Tenet. And I was like, they are trying to bury this movie if they're like, no, let's release it in May. Yeah, it came out in August. Or August. Yeah, well, nothing was open in May. So it came out... It was, like, the second movie to come out, because Tenet sort of came out... First. Yes. And everyone was kind of like, okay, we're going to sacrifice Tenet to the uh, the theater gods and see yeah. if it brings people in. So here so, we uh, are. What are you drinking here? Because like, we're going to pour one out. This oh, yes. Is a traditional episode. Let's pour one out. What have you got? I have the Lily Doolittle. Okay. Uh, it's half a shot of uh, Malibu. And that's it. It's not going to be very impactful, and it's going to be gone in the first two and a half minutes. And there it is. Uh, I have the Executive Meddling Mimosa. Okay. I started out with a orange juice and champagne typical mimosa. And then I was like, this needs something. This is too classic. So I added a little bit of vanilla extract. Uh, But then I realized that we needed this to appeal to kids despite being an alcoholic beverage. So I put an Oreo in it. Fitting. Um, a strawberry donut flavored Oreo, which I've already eaten by the time we filmed this. Uh, <laughs> you took too long to set up, so I ate the Oreo. <laughs> so now it's just a creamsicle mimosa. So uh, it's actually pretty decent. <laughs> Unlike this film. It's also mostly orange juice because I remember uh, for our crowdfund crypt keepers, you may remember how uh, our last episode went. I, Trapped, I don't think, will be up when this goes live. Oh. I'm not sure. It depends on how much editing I get done. Well, if you want to heal... This is a fine enough place as any to say, hey, join our Patreon. We have a bonus episode that's either out or coming out where we review the UK children's game show Trapped and get hammered because <laughs> we're drinking margaritas. Yeah, and uh, something you need to learn about me personally is never trust me to make your drink because I always make drinks 
for other people way too strong. It was very strong. It was a good time, though. Hope you guys enjoyed it. It's episode. a lot of fun. The episode was a lot of fun to record. We hope you have a lot of fun listening to it. So, Doolittle kicks off with, like, a weird animated intro. Yeah, the animated intro to this looks like another Robert Downey Jr. movie. Yeah? It looks like a scanner darkly. It does. It has that, like, very weird rotoscope look. And I was just like, oh, a better film. Excellent. And, you know, we get this delightful dead wife trope. He talk, They talk about, like, Lily, the fearless explorer. And I have in my note, oh, she dies. Oh, she dies. And she dies immediately. Yes. And then, I don't know who approved this, but then they were like, and then he met a very special boy. And I was like, oh, nope, 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 no. Because no. we'd just been talking about his wife. Yeah. And then a very special boy. And I was like, oh. To fill that hole in his Yeah, I was like, did literally heart? nobody, like, proofread this script? Dear God. Yeah. Uh, and then we get to... Well, like, before we even get to that, like, I want to talk about the fact that this m- children's movie... Children's movie, question mark? Yes. <laughs> this movie, uh, the crux of it is Doolittle is distraught because his lovely wife is dead. She is killed in the... At, at almost exactly two minutes and 30 seconds into this film, counting, like... The logos for, like, the different companies. Yes. So I don't know what they thought our our emotional attachment to this woman was going to be. Because she doesn't even speak. She doesn't even make it as far as Anna and Elsa's parents. Who I thought of, because I'm like, oh, it's the, you know, the plot point shipwreck. Yeah. Just like uh, Anna and Elsa's parents. I actually I, I think when we were watching this, when that storm kicked up, I looked and went... Do you want to build a snowman? Yeah, I just assumed that her boat crashed into their boat. <laughs> or or possibly same boat. It yeah. might just, just use the same footage. <laughs> I mean, except one, one is uh, really, really high quality computer animation and one is Doolittle. Yeah. Uh, so, it, so we have like, oh good. A woman dies and we're left with an emotionally stunted man again. Yeah. Cool. Love this plot. And we go to a, like an older, you know, older guy and his two sons on a duck hunt. Yeah. None of which are... Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. No, we get the impression that they're like, kind of like, you know, poor and they're, they're looking for ducks. Yes. They're hunters. They're getting foods. Yeah. And... The younger son doesn't want anything to do with this. Yes. Because he's different and special. Yeah, he doesn't like shooting ducks. I guess he doesn't like eating. Um, no, I hate it. <laughs> he's like a ye old turn-of-the-century vegan. He accidentally shoots a squirrel because he tries to go full Philip Hamilton and aim his pistol at the sky. And he throws away his buckshot. And it ricochets and hits a squirrel. Yeah. Um, do you know how hard it is to miss with one of those guns? Like, <laughs> it's like shooting a net. <laughs> Like, it's buckshot, so it's just like a hundred bullets come out. So you probably shouldn't shoot anything with it. What I'm saying is, if he shot that duck, like, dead on, he probably still would have shot the squirrel. Yeah, but he, like, was trying to shoot it in the air, because he didn't, he was missing on purpose. Right. Then, like, he sees a parrot, and the parrot goes, follow me! Mm -hmm. And this is Polly, played by Emma Thompson. Uh, this is important because she is the major female role in this film, essentially. Yes. <laughs> she is the female lead. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. And oh, my God. I just realized that. Oh, you're right. 
Yeah, we're going to get into Polly a little more later. Because mm. Polly also kind of p- takes on a surrogate wife-mother role for Doolittle. Yeah. In a way that's, like, not cool. So along comes Polly and <laughs> uh, leads this little boy to the home of Doolittle. And I swear to God, that kid... W- it takes longer for the child to arrive at Doolittle's door mm. than Lily was alive in the plot. Yes! He, he gets caught up in traps and meets, like, another girl <laughs> uh, along we, the way. We haven't even gotten to that. Uh. Um, and then we, like, see what Doolittle's doing. And he, like, he's feral. Yes. Like, he's living in this house with all these animals, but he he is only speaking to them. He hasn't spoken to another person in quite some time. Yes. Uh, he has, like, a very long beard. His hair is a mess. And... This is what they kind of establish is he's playing chess with a gorilla. Named Chi-Chi. And the chess pieces are mice. Which is weird. But like we don't understand what they're saying because Doolittle is speaking gorilla. Yes. To the gorilla. And then kind of like there's a moment where it switches to we can understand them. It's not good as far as I'm concerned. I'm the only human you. I, I feel like I might be uh, looking too deeply into this children's movie, but I get that Doolittle can talk to animals. Why can animals talk to each other? I don't know, but they, they can. Why do polar bears able to speak ostrich? Why are ducks able to speak dragonfly? Why? Yeah, and like, it's really weirdly problematic when you think of like the circle of life. Uh, it made me think of that, because I was actually thinking about this. I was thinking about that scene in The Good Place, where if you try to kill Janet by hitting the button, she begs for her life. Yeah. Is that just what, like, every lion hears all the time? From gazelles? Yeah. <laughs> Please, I have children. Why? I'm going to do a lot of referencing better pop culture here. Uh, so then my next note is, my God, get on with it. Yes. Because we spend forever on this chess scene and... Uh, the little boy gets stuck in a trap and then we see this beautiful young girl. Yes. And she is in like all pink and she somehow just like gets through the gate. Yeah. She doesn't have to like army crawl through the brush the way he does. Yeah. And her name is Lady Rose. Lady Rose. And she's, she looks to be about 13. Yeah. Which is important uh, because she's a 13 year old girl who they've sent to be the envoy in this situation. Which, why? And then we get this, like, weird... And we find out the boy's name is Thomas Stubbins. Yes, Stubbins. I refer to them in my notes for the rest of time as Princess Exposition and Knockoff Narnia Boy. Good names, good names. Because Narnia Boy has collected the squirrel and is bringing him to Doolittle to try to help him. That squirrel squirrel would have bled out, like, three weeks ago. Oh, yeah, it's full of buckshot. (laughs) Um... And then my next note is, oh, good, a white man needs children to fix his trauma. Uh, Doolittle agrees to help the squirrel, but wants nothing to do with the two humans. Yeah. And then, like, there's a whole little sequence where we see uh, Doolittle do surgery on the squirrel. Because it's very important to note that he doesn't just talk to the animals. He enslaves them and puts them to work in a hospital. (laughs) Yeah. Like... He also takes care of them. Yeah. So, like, the you don't really feel like the animals are being exploited. Uh, except for the mice who are chess pieces. Yeah, are they feel a little exploited. exploited. And 
So we get this like little moment of him helping the squirrel while the two children watch from like behind glass. Yes. And Which for someone who is a recluse that doesn't like people, it's nice for him to have a surgery room with audience seating. Well, the the house and the hospital were built when Lily was alive. Yeah, all right. They say like he closed like Elsa, he closes the gates after her death. Gotcha. This is literally frozen but bad. Okay. Um so, like, this was built when Lily... Because he was a different person when his wife was alive. Right. Like, you get the impression that he was jovial and he would have been, Oh, yes, little boy, I'll help your squirrel. Yay. Mm-hmm. And he does not want to help the queen who is sent for him. The queen is ill. And he's like, I don't treat people. And the little uh, princess exposition points out that... Her Majesty has designated this land a nature preserve. If she dies... The deed will be owned by the treasury, and this place goes away. Right. And he's like, I have a lifetime contract on this. And he goes, yeah, her lifetime. Yes. If she dies, you lose all this. And then suddenly he's like, fine, whatever. Yes. So then the animals, Roofie, Doolittle? And drag him there? It's No, and they like shave him and cut his hair. Yeah. It's very weird. And then you get super, super excited, because then... We meet Dab Dab. Dab Dab. Who is a duck with a metal leg who is carrying a leek. Yes. There, there were other scenes where like the duck had like celery or something. And I was like, ooh, couldn't be a leek, damn. And then later it actually is a leek, which means it's a far-fetched movie. Yes, uh, Pokemon, the last movie. Yay. I love Pokemon. So they get to Buckingham Palace and we we find out that uh, Princess Exposition's the heiress to the throne. Yes. That, like, if Queen Victoria dies, Princess Exposition would be queen. But there's also forces at work that, like, we can't let a 13-year-old girl take the yeah. throne. So some, yeah, there's definitely a conspiracy against her. Which yeah. is why she has to run out and get Doolittle. Yeah, well, she doesn't know about the conspiracy against her. She just wants to save the queen. Because... Princess Exposition doesn't have any, like, I thought she had, like, worry. She was worried because she's clearly, like, close to the queen. Okay. Uh, She she legitimately is hoping for the welfare of the queen. She does not want to take the throne. Hmm. Uh, And we have the cute little dog who is Spider-Man. Yes, yeah. Tom Holland plays a dog in glasses. Uh, A stick bug. A stick bug, which doesn't actually talk. It just makes stick bug noises. Yes. Uh, and he doesn't even have, like, a name or anything. I think it's Sticky. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> so we have a stick bug who's there to, like, spy on them. Because I guess the dog can't spy on them. Um, well, I think the idea is... He's, he puts a stick bug in the room to kind of be his eyes and ears he's when he's not there. bugging the room. He's bugging the room. Exactly. Uh, and I think since they know that Doolittle can talk to animals, they would watch themselves before talking in front of the dog. Yeah, that's but true. But they don't see the stick bug. There is also a funny scene where he tries to talk to the squid that's yeah. in the room. He, like, sticks his head in the uh, fish tank and has a conversation with, like, the pet squid. Well, he asks the squid, like, what did you see? And the squid says, nothing. Snitches get stitches. And I was like, how do you know that phrase? Octopus kept in the queen's bedroom? This is a lot of... Is that something the queen throws around? I mean, this is a problem with kids and family movies post, like, 1990, is they try too hard to be cool and with the zeitgeist. I I don't even think that's an example of alliteration in 
the native octopus. But what I'm saying <laughs> is, like, this is something that kids' movies tend to do of, like, trying to use slang. Yeah. Uh, which doesn't work. Uh, because if you look at, like, a sp- Disney movies, most Disney movies don't indulge that way. Like, yeah. Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid. They Like, Little Mermaid never says anything is tubular. Right, right. And neither does, like, scuttle or anything. Mm-hmm. And that's why those movies still hold up. Yeah. In 2020, when you have too many pop culture references, the movies become dated. Exactly. And this movie, you could see, becoming dated because of that. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Stubbins wants to go with Doolittle because they have to go get this magical fruit that can cure all poison. Yes. Because the dog sniffs out what is wrong with the queen and she's been poisoned by nightshade. Yes. Uh, which, you know, deadly nightshade is like the stock kids movie poison. The, The thing that I find interesting is that like at this point they already know she's been poisoned, but there's no talk of an investigation of how she got poisoned. Right. I don't know. It just seems dumb. (laughs) And they're like, she has 10 days left, roughly. Yeah. So they have to go do this mission in 10 days. And we also meet Plimpton the ostrich at this point, who also does not want to go on the journey. No. So he sticks his head in a potted plant. (laughs) Yes, because he's an ostrich. He's also Camille Nanjiani. Yeah, he's one uh, of my favorite... Did you mention our villain for this? Uh, We are about to. Okay. We also meet the two villains of the film. There's the main villain, who is Dr. Mudfly, who is played by Michael Sheen. Yes. Who definitely didn't read the script before he started this. I think he was handed a completely different script. He was. <laughs> uh, he is Doolittle's old school rival. Yes. But he now works for the Queen, and he was, like, leeching the Queen, because it's Victorian England, mm-hmm. literally. Um, and then we also meet, and I, I have the Wikipedia up, because characters' names... They do a terrible job establishing everyone's names. Yeah. Like, you know this is a polar bear, and you know that this is John Cena. You don't actually need to know that the polar bear's name is Yoshi, which I only remember because... It's Yoshi. It's Yoshi. Uh, Well, any of those uh, animal names, I believe, are taken from the original books. Oh, really? Yeah, that's why they're things like Dab Dab, and, like, they're weirder names. And that's how you can also kind of tell some of the characters who were brought forward... uh, Like Kevin, the squirrel, who we haven't really talked about yet uh, because he sucks. Um, (laughs) No, no offense to Craig Robinson. This is not against you. Okay. Lord Thomas Badgley is the member of the House of Lords who is ambitious. He is working with Mudfly. Yeah. uh, To essentially assassinate the queen. Yes. Now, I want to state here, because in these two opening scenes, the scene in the Queen's bedroom and the scene at Doolittle's hospital house, everything is so ADR'd. Yes. Like, so much of this film, uh, like, a lot of the scenes in the hospital, Robert Downey Jr. is facing away from the camera and talking to the point where I think it might be a double. Yeah. Because you just see the back of his head. Uh, there's a whole part in the uh, the queen's bedroom where uh, Doolittle's talking and he's holding a book over his mouth. Yeah, and I'm like, what's happening here? Like, why are you doing it this way? Nothing. It almost looks like the room at times. The way it doesn't quite match Ooh. up. Like, it's so weird. That was some. 
that was some spicy shade there. I mean, like, you know exactly what I mean now. When I, I do. Say that. Um, I just like, whenever you compare a film to the room, yeah. um, it's rough. So Stubbins gets sent home. And we get this little moment where Stubbins' father is yelling at him for being a weirdo because this is every kid's movie. The lead is always a... He's weird. He's a weirdo. He never takes off the stupid hat. There's my Riverdale reference. Cool. Contractual obligation. Complete. And he sees a little spider after, like, you hear his parents going, like, if he sees a spider, he puts it outside. Which, you know, is what you should do anyway. And so he sees a spider... And he just kind of looks at it. And the next morning, he is awakened by a full-on giraffe. Well, first, first it's, it's Polly. Because he's like, oh my god, I can understand you. Can, can I communicate no, he's, with He's animals? awakened by the giraffe. And then Polly comes in to talk to him. Oh, okay. The giraffe, like, licks him awake. Oh, right. She sticks her head tongue. in the window and goes like, bleh. <laughs> and he's like, what the hell? And Polly's like, good morning. You're going to yeah. miss your boat. Yes, you're coming with us. And he has a moment where he's like, I can understand you. Can I understand animals? And the parrot's like, no. I'm a parrot. I'm a parrot. I can talk. I talk people. <laughs> so. And and also, because we have to talk about this later, uh, a fox is there. Yes. A fox is here. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, and, and big voice actor for that. It was like Ariana Grande or something? Uh, Olivia Wilde? No, uh, Selena Gomez. Selena is, Gomez. No, she's the draft. Oh. Marion Cotillard, who I believe has been Oscar nominated, if not has won, is the fox. Their voices are very similar in this whole scene. It's confusing. Yes. She is Tutu, who replaces Tutu the owl from the original books. Hmm. Why, I don't know. But we never see the fox without the the giraffe. giraffe. Yes. And their voices sound surprisingly similar. Right. And these characters don't have a lot of character development. So they're not really important. Yeah, so the the giraffe grabs the boy and takes him to the boat. So Well, Polly helps him pack his stuff, which well, is nice of her. But I just want to say, to every other human being in this town, a giraffe has arrived and kidnapped a child. Who is cool with it? I mean, would you be able to tell when when just a giraffe runs by and the the mom's like, that giraffe has my boy? Would your first thought be, oh, that kid must be super into that giraffe? Or would you think, oh shit, giraffe kidnapping? I feel like if I was in a bad place mentally and emotionally and a wild animal was like, yo, we're going to go on an adventure. I would just run down the street going, I'm cool with it. (laughs) I'm happy to be on a giraffe right now. I consent to this (laughs) because that sounds cool. And my next note is, oh, of course, the girl doesn't go with them. No, she... (laughs) She has to watch the queen. She has to cook for the queen. Oh. That is what Doolittle tells her to do. Make sure she doesn't eat anything that you yourself hasn't cooked. Which I know is the whole, like, we got to make sure she's not more poisoned. Yeah. But it is a little bit like your role in this film. Only other human woman is to feed someone. Is to look pretty and cook. <laughs> like, she's clearly there... I, I, and I thought when we saw the trailers for this movie, I kind of thought she went with them. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's, you know, the classic, the boy and the girl. Okay. But no, the girl doesn't get to do anything. And I'm mad about it. Yeah. Uh, Doolittle is furious with Polly for getting the, uh, the boy on the boat. Yes. And they have like a husband and wifey spat. Yes. About it. Of yes, like, they do. Of like, Polly is convinced she's correct. Doolittle is angry with her. And we see uh, Michael Sheen has decided to follow 
uh, Doolittle. Right. Uh, Dr. Mudfly. Because he wants to head him off at the pass. Because if Doolittle gets that fruit, their plan falls apart. Yes. And so we get a few, we get like some boat scenes. It would have been so much easier to just, you know, have guards outside the Queen's castle that, you know, kill Doolittle on sight if he were to show up. I mean... Rather than traveling the world <laughs> in uncharted waters. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess they figure, like, Doolittle is crafty. He just send, you know, that polar bear and are you going to mess with him? Uh, and we get, like, a couple emotional scenes of, like, nighttime where we get, like, a storm starts to kick up and Doolittle starts to, like, be upset. That... <laughs> He's not, like, upset about fear. He's just, like... He's more, like, nostalgic over his. he should have gone with her. Yes, because he's thinking about what happened to Lily. I, I do want to just say, though, like, a storm kicks up, there's a crack of thunder, and then it's over. Like, there's very little time of them, like, dealing with that situation. They're yeah. like, oh, no, a storm. Uh, and then it's over. Uh, not to mention, uh, <laughs> we missed the part where... To make a quick getaway, Doolittle talks to a whale. We just got there. Because <laughs> he puts on like a little makeshift diving suit mm-hmm. and like has a conversation with a whale. Mm-hmm. And there's a part where uh, Chi-Chi, Plimpton the ostrich, Yoshi the polar bear, and the boy are all supposed to help Doolittle get back on board. But Chi-Chi gets scared and drops the rope. Yeah. And the other three animals, despite one of them being a polar bear... Are not strong enough? Well, the polar bear doesn't like being cold. Yes. That's his entire character. Arc. And he's John Cena. And is John Cena. Which, and he uses bro a lot. Yeah. Bro. He's also my favorite character. Yes. Him he, and Plimpton the ostrich. And they're always together. Yes. So, he, they get RDJ on the boat and the gorilla's sad for being scared. And this is when Doolittle says... It's okay to be scared. Yes. Which in the trailers, they made it seem was like the emotional arc of the film. Yeah. Was like the idea of getting over fear and things like that. It's just, it's a throwaway line. It absolutely is. <laughs> so weird. Uh, but I also want to say, he, he talks to a whale and tells the whale to like help drag this boat so it goes faster. Which means Doolittle better than Aquaman. Yeah. Because <laughs> he can talk to land animals, he talk too. To land, he can talk to bugs. And uh, then uh, they get to the island because they need to get to the specific island because Lily's exploration journal is there. Yes. Did, did we get the foreshadowing scene? Which one? Where uh, Dr. Bad Guy is on the boat and he's just like, oh, I hate Doolittle. We went to high school together and he was always so smart. He wrote this paper about there being dragons. Stupid, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I just turned you in. There's going to be a dragon in this movie. (laughs) And I want to point out at this point, I know the climax of the movie going in and you don't. Oh, yeah. So you go, there's going to be a dragon in this movie. And I go... (laughs) (laughs) We get another night scene where, like, Robert Downey Jr. is kind of, like, mentory to Stubbins. Because Stubbins is starting to pick up some of the language. Yes. He's starting to be able to speak and understand uh, the animals on the ship. Yes, he understands the bees. Well, he's mostly talking to, um, he's mostly talking to, like, Plimpton. 
Well, he mentioned something like when the bees fly diagonally and say, that means get away from me, kid. I was like, yeah, good job. You figured out bees don't like getting fucked with. Well, and (laughs) I I think when he says that, because there aren't any bees on the ship, it's that moment where Doolittle recognizes that this is a child he could mentor. Yeah, he actually has potential. Uh, And then we get a scene that doesn't need to be here. Uh, Again, another actor I really love. It's Jason Manzukis as a dragonfly. As a dragonfly. And he goes in and it's... He talks to, like, this godfather bug. He, he talks to, like, an ant. Yeah. And he goes, how dare you come to me on this, the day of my daughter's wedding. Because you know what kids these days love? Godfather references. And I've realized it's very, it's been such a long time since I've heard the real version of that line. Mm-hmm. Because the internet version is on this, the day of my cat's quinceanera. Yeah. Uh, that I was like, my daughter's, it's your cat's quinceanera. <laughs> yeah, he said it wrong, stupid. To be honest, that's how most kids probably felt hearing that. Yeah. Don't you mean her cat's quinceanera? Which, let's be real, would have made so much more sense in, in a little movie. <laughs> I don't think they had the budget for a cat quinceanera after the rest of this movie. So, but... But Jason Manzukis's character was, like, in love with the Godfather's daughter, who's now marrying a scorpion. Yes! What has he got that I have besides, you know, a big stinger? What? Children's movie. Yeah, so let's just talk about how upset this dragonfly is that the ant that he loved is boning a scorpion. Yep. Um, and we also had, I didn't write notes about it, but the squirrel has had a few voiceovers through here. Uh, Craig Robinson plays Kevin the squirrel, who does not ever get involved in the action. No. Well, his kind of arc is he's unsure why he's there, because he's there with the boy who shot him, who he, he does not accept that it was an accident. He's just the squirrel killer. Yeah. Uh, and he does, like, a captain's log thing? Yeah. Because you know what kids these, day, these days love? Original Star Trek references. Well, I almost feel like he's a fourth wall break, which is something kids would understand a little bit. They wouldn't see it as a captain's log reference. They'd see it as, like, that cheeky fourth wall break narrative that is in a lot of kids' media. Yeah, okay, okay. That being said, he was very, like, Jason Manzoukas and Craig Robinson are pretty transparently uh, part of the reshoots. Yeah, because I, the more I thought about it, the the next scene is basically uh, the boy is trying to sneak to get to this one area where this man is sleeping, but there's lions everywhere. Big cats of all kinds. Yeah. Whatever you want. And basically, Jason Manzoukas as a dragonfly is just kind of flying around being like, look out, there's kitty cats, be careful. Uh, that could have just entirely been added later, and it could have just been a silent scene. Absolutely. So I think, yeah, this is something that was added much later. Uh, because this is a good time to mention, this movie went through extensive reshoots. Yeah. Uh, the original movie was a little bit more of a, like, a serious kids movie. Uh, kind of your, like, standard family film, the likes of which is not often made anymore. See, uh, the movies that kept, like coming up in my brain as we were watching this were things like uh, Escape to Witch Mountain mm-hmm. and uh, like Journey and there's there's other ones that are not The Rock. Uh, I was thinking 
of like the homeward bound type film. Well, I'm thinking more of the formula of there's an adult star that is joined by kids Mm -hmm. on an adventure. They're escaping to Whip Mountain, they're going to the center of the earth or something like that. And like the relationship with between children is like the fun part. And then there's a big star to throw on the poster. The fact that there's not a second child yeah. on this journey <laughs> ruins this film. But I'm also thinking about it as like sort of high fantasy kids films like Inkheart, uh, The Chronic, What Coals of Narnia. Yeah. Uh, even early Harry Potter. Yeah. Of like, they're not comedies. There's little bits in there that might be funny, but like they're high adventure, high fantasy movies for kids. Yeah. And they clearly added things to try to make it, like, lighter and zanier. Mm-hmm. And bring it more into, like, a weird DreamWorks-y, Shrek-y kind of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And they don't keep anything consistent. But that, I wanted to bring that up now because we're going to get more into that. Yeah. So we get to the island and it's, you know, King Rizuli. Yes. Who we then find out is Lily's father. Yes. And uh, Rizuli arrests... Doolittle and Stubbins, mm-hmm. but immediately, like, accepts that Stubbins had nothing to do with it. He yeah. kind of, like, looks at this child and is like, I am not killing a kid. Yeah. So Stubbins is immediately released and, like, welcomed to the feast. Mm-hmm. He's like, welcome to the island, kid. You can be living on this island with us now. Yeah. You're cool. Enjoy. Yeah, like, nothing, no harm is going to come. Stubbins is in no danger. Yes. He's just kind of like, okay, I guess I live on this island now. But he does send Jason Menzuka's dragonfly to go tell everyone on the boat that Doolittle needs help. Yes. Uh, he also is being fed to a lion. Uh, Doolittle is being Doolittle fed is to being a fed tiger. To, I'm sorry, it is a tiger. Named right? Barry. Yeah, Barry the tiger, who, like, they know each other personally. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Doolittle used to be Barry's therapist, but then Doolittle left the island with Lily. And abandoned Barry. So Barry has some abandonment issues. Uh, Barry has mommy issues. There's also this one-eyed jackrabbit. Yes, who does not do... He kind of, like, provides commentary like he's a ring announcer? Yeah, he's just kind of sitting there like, Doolittle, I can't wait to see you get eaten by Barry. I got $500 on you. And my immediate thought to that joke is, with who? A different jackrabbit? Yeah. Because no one else can understand you. Like, interestingly, I'm kind of now seeing this connection. Craig Robinson is the squirrel who was added later. Jason Manzukis is the dragonfly who appears to be added later. This rabbit character who seems to also be comic relief. Tell me it's Nick Kroll. It's Will Arnett. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, so, But like in that kind of same like uh, comedy we, click. Yeah, we just got to get some comedians in here. Yeah, like, that. I when I pulled this up, I was like, oh, this makes sense. Yeah. So we get this big action sequence where the gorilla, Chi-Chi, mm-hmm. uh, bursts in uh, and... You, you are skipping what might be my favorite part in this film. Fine. Either the parrot or the duck is like, we have to do something to free Doolittle. We need a distraction. And John Cena, the polar bear, goes, got it, and commits an act of terrorism. He throws a bundle of dynamite into a church. I believe he throws a bundle of the duck's dynamite. (laughs) Like, he asks her for it. He's like, give me the dynamite. Cool. 
And I was just like, well, what's he going to do with this? And then he throws it into, like, a crowded area. <laughs> yeah, and, like, with no finesse. Like, this is not Ocean's Eleven. But then we get the fight scene with the gorilla and the um, the tiger. And the gorilla is a combat pragmatist, Chi-Chi. Yeah. Uh, Chi-Chi wins on a cheap shot and a sleeper hold. Yeah, he kicks a tiger in the nuts. And But then Chi-Chi has like a Linus blanket that he carries and he gives it to the tiger because his emotional arc is done. Yeah, yeah. It's okay to be scared sometimes. Yeah, now is not the time though. And <laughs> Kill in, the tiger. In the melee, the little boy swipes the journal and he almost gets out with it and he's holding it up like, I got it, which is the stupidest thing you can do. Of course. Because then uh, the Baron grabs it. Baron or Dr. Mudfly, Baron Mudfly, whatever. Yes, the um, other villains. <laughs> Mudfly wins, and he, like he also has his men throw a bunch, uh, blow a bunch of holes in Doolittle's ship. Yes, everybody gets off safely mm-hmm. because it's a kids' movie. In my notes, I have, uh, and the polar bear and the ostrich survive on a piece of driftwood not large enough to save Jack and Rose. Yes, <laughs> uh, and then we get a cut back to Buckingham Palace, uh, where we see the dog and the girl. Yes, and the queen just talks about how proud she is of the girl. And because she's like still kind of conscious. Yeah. And the dog is worried like, where are you guys? Mm -hmm. Because we have to go do the like meanwhile. Yeah. And then we get back to the the new boat because uh, Rizzoli. Oh, no. Rizzoli hasn't given them a new boat yet. Uh, So they're on the island. Spoilers. Whatever. Who cares? (laughs) The polar bear and the ostrich bond over their absent fathers. Uh, Plimpton, played by Kumail Nanjiani, says like, yeah, my dad said I should have been an omelet. And uh, Yoshi... That's, that's a rough joke, really, if you think about it. Yoshi retorts with, my dad went out for a pack of seals and never came back. Yeah. Which I was just like, ooh. <laughs> like, where, they didn't just go through all of the, like, most horrible things. <laughs> like, you, 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 we should have had a praying mantis being like, my dad got eaten by my mom. Cricket, cricket, cricket. <laughs> Um, and then had an actual cricket. That actually would have been funnier. <laughs> and then there's this whole thing of like Doolittle and Rizzoli talking about irony. And it's like the freaking Alanis Morissette version of irony. Yeah, no one knows what the word irony means. Irony is wanting to kill you, but loving my daughter more. No? No. That, that's having different priorities? So Rizzoli gives them a not great boat, but a boat. Mm-hmm. And they all sail off. See, irony would be if the boat sank and killed him. Yeah. That would be irony. <laughs> and so they finally, they managed to, through the whales and through, like, their memory of Lily's journal, they managed to follow Mudfly to the island. Well, they also have whales, like, as spies. Yeah. <laughs> I said through the help of the whales. Um, well, I just wanted to bring up the line where the whale comes out of the water and waves yeah. at Mudflat. Mudflat waves back. And then they cut to the whales going, I can't believe you're flipping them off. Yeah, I forgot about that, honestly. <laughs> so What is this movie? Uh, we get there and they get into the cave. And Mudfly, like everybody kind of gets there at the same time. Yes. Uh, Mudfly directly through the entrance and Doolittle and his people through like the side of the cliff. Because they have to be get in mm-hmm. without being seen. And we get the final confrontation. Of them being just like, oh, where is it, Doolittle? And Doolittle's like, I straight up don't know. And Mudfly kind of cracks at the idea that Doolittle doesn't know something. And kind of tries 
to go after him for it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, now you know how it feels to be ignorant. Boom. Yeah. How's it feel? He's like, fine. <laughs> and, you know, Doolittle's like, eh, I'm going to learn a new thing. That's cool. Yeah. And uh, Mudfly tries to plant the English flag in the ground. But he's standing on a sleeping dragon. Yeah, nobody saw the dragon. <laughs> yeah. They, they were all in this room for at least five minutes of movie time. Yes. But like enough for the bad guys to like hide and then scare Doolittle. So who knows how long they've been hiding there. And no one noticed the dragon. So like there's a whole moment where everyone kind of gets like rocked by the dragon. Mudfly panics. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of his men saves him and he goes like, you saved me. I have a second chance to live a life of, of kindness and, and, and generosity. And... Take him, not me. I'm a good person now. Yes. Which I thought was funny. I think this is a huge missed opportunity. Yeah. Because there's this really weird scene earlier where Mudflap tries to kill a fly with a fly swatter. Yeah. And the fly goes through a hole in the fly swatter. And the fly goes, I'm alive. It's a miracle. I'm going to live my best life now. And flies out a window and a seagull flies by and eats it. Yeah. This would have been amazing if the moment he said that, the dragon ate him. Yeah. And it would just like completely mirrored the fly from earlier. Like they were trying or something instead of it just being a series of random events. <laughs> So, the duck panics, lays an egg, Yoshi gets hit by, like, a tentacle. It kind of takes everybody out. And then the dragon catches Doolittle. Yes. And kind of is like, I'm gonna eat you. And he, Doolittle attempts to bond with the dragon. So let me ask you this. Yeah? From my memory of it, the dragon, like, roars. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Doolittle makes kind of like a sound. Yeah. And then they start talking. Are we supposed to think that Doolittle already knew how to speak dragon? Or in that brief moment learned how to speak dragon? I assumed he already knew. Oh, I felt the other way. I I thought he like was picking it up as he was being held in this like tail. I mean, so they have a conversation about the pain the dragon is in because he sees a dragon skull. Mm-hmm. And kind of picks up, like, the, the dragon has lost her love as well. Yes. And they have this moment where they bond over that, and he goes, and you're in a lot of physical pain, too. And, like, they realize that her... No, can, please, please explain what happens next, Lara. Her colon is impacted. Emotional stress over the years has done damage to your stomach. Get away from me. You have severe impaction of the colon. And if it don't man, we fragment it. It'll go septic. You won't be able to protect anything anymore. Hmm? Ooh, that sounds like some tummy ache. Tell you what, give us five minutes. If you don't feel better, you can fry us all. Stop talking. Just get on with it. We have to get you on your side. We need to perform an emergency extraction. Extraction? Uh, what are we pulling out? With all of the, like, armor and stuff she's eaten, so do a little just... Reaches on up there and gets, like, armor and... Um, you're missing the most important part. 
He doesn't just like put his hand up there. Oh, excuse me. He puts the Farfetch'd leak up That's the right. Farfetch'd saves the day. I hate this movie. <laughs> Farfetch'd, which I think may have evolved into a Surfetch'd because the leak has gotten much bigger. Yes. Hands the leak over in which RDJ jams it up a dragon's ass. Yes. The dragon then farts, which is, you know... Hilarious. No, they get like a bunch of stuff out of her butt first, and yeah. then she farts. Yes. And it is armor. long. It yeah. is like a 25 second situation. And then bro- everything is broken, and the tense moment is broken by John Cena going, respect. Yeah. <laughs> There's no scat. No, thank God. But like, to, uh, you know, you know how some people just like realize that they're furries? Somebody realized that they were a scaly, thanks to this movie. Oh. Um, That's a term. It's a real term. You know that now. Thanks for listening. So, uh, we get, we, they get the fruits of the Eden flower, and then uh, we get back to the queen, and the queen is dying, and she's receiving her last rites. Okay. And they get in, and they do not want to let Doolittle and his crew near the queen. She's, She's like about to kick it. Come on now. And there's a fight between the animals and soldiers over the Eden fruit. Right. And Minnie the flying squirrel and the little boy work together. And, like, he slides through someone's legs very Home Alone style. Mm -hmm. And through the team efforts, the flying squirrel and Stubbins, he squeezes the fruit over the queen's mouth and she instantly comes back to life. Yes. Uh, God forbid Princess Exposition get to do anything in this scene. No, she was stunned and impressed by everyone else. Yeah, she does nothing in the scene. It's kind of crap. Mm-hmm. And then Doolittle exposes Sticky. Yes. And that Sticky's been there the whole time. And Sticky, for some reason, only speaks in haiku. Yeah, which I don't understand that bit at all. But they find out that the poison, which, by the way, days have gone by. So there's no reason for him to still have this on him. The poison is in uh, Jim Broadbent, the, the House of Lords guy's pocket. Yeah. They find it. He's arrested. Uh, we find out that, like, Mudfly never made it back. Yeah, he's still in the cave. And then, like, the queen just kind of dismisses everybody but Doolittle. And goes, like, nobody's died, leave me in peace. Mm-hmm. And... And Stubbins gets a kiss from Princess Exposition. On the cheek. Yeah, because it's a kid's movie. And Doolittle apologizes to Polly and tells her she's right. And then we kind of get the, like... Epilogue scene where Stubbins has been taken in by Doolittle as his apprentice. Mm-hmm. And we see Stubbins' family watching him help with surgery and they're proud of him. Yes. And then the last thing we see is the Doolittle and Li- like John and Lily Doolittle plaque has been changed to John Doolittle and Apprentice. He yeah. meets a 12 year old and his wife's name gets knocked off the sign <laughs> and uh, replaced with not another name. Yeah. Like, it's not, like, Doolittle and Stubbins. Mm -hmm. It's John Doolittle and Apprentice. Yeah. So, and there's nothing about his wife on the sign, which really bothers me. Because I was like, oh, okay, you moved on and you don't need to remember her anymore. Yeah. Uh, I always feel like that's the weird Aesop with grief in kids' movies, is that you're just over it. Not that you will learn to remember that person in a healthy, positive way. It's just that, like, that person doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. You're no longer sad about it. Yeah, and I think that's that's not really how grief works. No. 
of like, oh no, he just doesn't need to remember her anymore and she doesn't matter. Because he also leaves her wedding ring that he was carrying around. He leaves her wedding ring in the ca- in the cave. Yeah, this I found interesting because like, I think it's the idea, kind of like an up yeah. of like, this is the place she was trying to get to and now I'm leaving this here. So it's kind of like you got here. Yeah. But according to the cartoon that we saw at the beginning, she gave her ring to the parrot so the parrot could give it to Doolittle so he would have something to remember her by. Yeah. It's like that I don't think that's what she wanted for that piece of jewelry. But okay, whatever. Well her her wants and needs don't matter. I a hundred percent thought she was gonna be alive. Oh, that was actually on the T V tropes page. They were like, wouldn't that have been a great reveal if she'd just been stranded on the island? I thought at first she was gonna be stranded on the island, and then I thought she was the dragon. Oh, that would have been Cool. And she was like, yeah, I don't know what happened. Eden fruit. I became a dragon. So this movie was supposed to be released Memorial Day weekend 2019. Uh, but that was also at that time the release date of Rise of Skywalker before they moved it back to Christmas time. Okay. And so they moved it to April and then they moved it. Wait a minute. So that would have continued the trend of John Cena movies going head-to-head with Star Wars movies. It would have, yes. Because the first one was up against Sisters. Yep. And the second one was up against Ferdinand. Yes. That's hilarious. I believe you might have the order switched, but yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> But then they moved to April, and then they decided that they needed reshoots. And rewrites to make it more kid-appealing. Yeah. The only thing that I've seen confirmed was in the rewrites and reshoots was the climax with the dragon. So the dragon was added in later. I think the extended fart joke with the dragon. The dragon is foreshadowed and feels like a natural presence. Yeah, I guess you could have... Well, my thought was they also re-added the scene of the bad guy going, Dragons, right? But maybe it could have just been grief- like oh well, he already has the scene with her where they mo- my, eh, where they bond over her, the broken heart, and yeah. I think that was supposed to be the whole thing. Yeah, but instead they added a colonoscopy. <laughs> yeah, and I think Kevin the Squirrel, Jason Manzukis's character, I think a bunch of them were added later. Will Arnett, Jack Rabbit. Yeah. yeah, because Polly, Plimpton, even like Plimpton and Yoshi add a lot to the plot. Like Plimpton and Yoshi. Strike me as they were supposed to be the comic relief characters. Yeah. Um, but then there, it became a very crowded field of comic relief characters. So I kind of got the impression that they were added in. Yeah, I feel that way about the fox. The fox and the giraffe. Because the fox is only with the giraffe. Like, they're, they're almost like married. Like, <laughs> like, they're almost one entity. Yes. So I feel like it was very much a situation of like, we knew we were going to have this giraffe. But then we got this name, and we needed to give her lines, so we made her a fox that rides a giraffe. Yes. Uh, so those are the things I really thought were added in later. Yeah. Because the beginning of the movie, it does have that like high fantasy, Narnia-esque feel. Mm-hmm. And I actually do think it works better as a winter release. Yeah. Like, the color palette feels very, like, winter release to me. Mm-hmm. And I think without the rewrites, this movie would have worked better. They said the movie went massively, massively over budget because of these rewrites and reshoots to the point where the movie would have had to been a monstrous runaway MCU style hint, 
hit mm-hmm. to break even. Wow. And uh, there was a moment back in 2019 where a rogue cast, a rogue crew member uh, went on Reddit and went on this like rant about the director and how like the director didn't really know how to film with CGI. Okay. So it would be like, we'll figure out where the animated characters will stand later. And they were like, no, we need to plan for eye lines and that. Yeah. Like, we need to know where they are. He didn't know how to do the eye lines. And also, uh, most importantly, his dog, massively racist. Racist dog, huh? Yeah, according to this crew member, uh, the director's dog was really, 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 really racist. Cool. Beautiful dog, though, apparently, by, according to this crew member. And I found that very funny that a movie about talking to and relating to animals would involve a weirdly racist dog. Yeah. Uh, you brought up a, a really good point while we were watching this about RDJ. Yeah. Because I'm a big Robert Downey Jr. fan. Yeah. But man, he really needs to play something that's not brilliant asshole. Yeah, he's been playing douche savant mm-hmm. for well over 15 years at this point. I mean, I would say more than that. Because, like, you know him as, you know... Iron Man, and also uh, Sherlock Holmes. But I think Deuce Savant also falls into, like, Chaplin. Yeah, and, like, Kiss Kiss, his character in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with that film, but... But, like, he plays Douchey Savant as, like, his main mm-hmm. brand. And it, it's starting to not work. Yeah, he, he's kind of falling into the Johnny Depp trap. Where, like, we thought for a while Johnny Tepp was an amazing actor. And then we slowly realized, like, wait, it's the same trick every time. Yes. He's an oddball. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to see RDJ play someone more down-to-earth, more normal. Yeah. Someone with more flaws that are, besides, I don't like people. Yeah, I, I don't remember much about Due Date. Like, I don't remember if he played, like, the straight man in that to Zach Galifianakis. Oh, yeah, 100% does. So. <laughs> Believe it or not, Zach Galifianakis is not the straight man in that film. Really? All right. So, like, but this movie just doesn't work. One, you were right about, like, the dynamic between uh, Stubbins and the animals is non-existent. And Stubbins and the girl. Like, if you wanted to do this high culture, low culture thing. Mm-hmm. Stubbins should have been, like, having to sleep below the deck with the animals. Yeah. And then, like, he starts to bond with. He doesn't really have a relationship with anyone but Polly. Yeah. Well, here, here's my real big problem with this film. What is a Dr. Doolittle film? Like, we are on... This is, what, the sixth version of Dr. Doolittle? Because Eddie Murphy did three, and then his daughter did one. Yeah. And then the, uh, the Rex Harrison one in the yeah, 60s. The original. Which is an infamous flop. Is it? Yeah. Oh, it killed musicals oh, in the 60s. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was, it was not only a monstrous flop, it was a genre killer. Huh. It was the end of that, like, Sound of Music, My Fair Lady, Mary Poppins era. Because, like, I remember watching it and walk with the animals, talk with the animals. Uh, and I remember uh, seeing the two-headed llama. Mm-hmm. Like, the, he brings out a llama and then the back of the llama is another llama type thing. What makes Doolittle special are animals. Yes. Like, the fact that he can talk to them, yes. But also, like, the strangeness of them and things like that. There are no animals in this film. No. There's tons of CGI puppets. Yeah. But there are no animals. And, like, I would much rather watch a film 
where Robert Downey Jr. is actually like acting alongside a chimpanzee or a tiger or a penguin than a CGI ostrich and a CGI bear. Like, I kind of think what this movie was based on the ADR is they put Robert Downey Jr. in a silly costume and filmed him for a day in front of green screens. Yeah. And it's like, just do some weird stuff. We'll add, we'll ADR your language later and we'll put in some animals or something. I don't know. Maybe it'll be a, a Dr. Doolittle movie. <laughs> just go do your thing. Because everything feels so disjointed and so inauthentic. Yes. And like it doesn't, the movie lacks heart entirely. Like the relationships aren't there. We get this like, oh, he takes in Stubbins as an apprentice. Stubbins does nothing in the climax. Nothing. Stubbins does not earn his stripes. He doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Like, you needed a moment where he was struggling to learn how to talk to animals and then, like, succeeds in, at the very end. Yeah. It would have been best if he was the only one that could talk to the dragon. Yeah. Like, if they'd had... Give him something. Just, just this idea of just, like, having the duck be like, we'll talk to her. And Doolittle being like, I don't speak dragon. We don't have these (laughs) at home. In England. Uh, And then have Stubbins step forward and be like, Have it kind of be the Harry Potter. It's colon. Stick your hand up his ass. Oh, so this is awkward. So what it wants is... (laughs) I think that actually could have worked as a joke. Yeah. Just just being like, uh, according to the dragon, uh, its colon is blocked. And just kind of have Doolittle being like, hmm... Is this a bit? Are you sure you understand that dragon? Yeah. Like, it could have worked and doesn't. It's a really big shame because, like, this movie has a surprising amount of potential, mm-hmm. I would say. Like, I would honestly say this movie has little pieces that could have worked. Yeah. I mean, like, I often, when I think of animal movies, I think of Babe. Mm-hmm. And Babe, they basically, la, la, la. they CGI'd the mouths. And, and the rest of the animal was there. <laughs> yeah. Like, having a human lead talk to animal characters that aren't really, like, they're there, we know it works. The Muppets work. Yeah. And I, I think the idea really, to me, is this movie failed with the script. Uh, it didn't have like a cohesive script. It didn't have a cohesive emotional through line. The idea that we Stubbins never feels like a full character. No. Doolittle feels like he's only driven by grief of his wife, who we find out very little about outside of she was an explorer. Right. And really, she is a living prop. Excuse me. She's a no longer, no longer living, living prop. prop. Yeah. So that's what I have for this movie. I'm also, I'm kind of surprised that there, it didn't end with a sequel hook. Yeah. Because like, for as expensive as this was, you needed to create that sort of buzz. Yeah. Like, we need another one of these and then we'll sell shirts at the Hot Topic. Like, but it's so soulless. It's such a soulless film. Absolutely. So what's your verdict? Um, stay doomed by virtue of the game over rule. Yeah. Uh, I think there's things in this movie that could have made a solid film, but they were not used properly. And I think that this film... 
See, I, I feel like game over rule may not apply when we're talking about films. Okay. Because the, the game over rule is, this is such a good idea that even though this is garbage, I think they could have figured it out in season two. There's That's not really how movies work. So I think it's just to stay doomed for me. Okay. That's totally fair. So yeah, that's, that's Doolittle. I, I would put it somewhere in the middle of the pack of all the... Uh, Razzie movies I've watched across my times. Yeah, there were moments where I did kind of... Like, I was weirdly invested in, like, Yoshi and Plankton. Yeah. Like, I liked those two characters. And I genuinely think in the original script, the two of them probably were the comic relief, and they work. But they also interact with each other! And, like, I think the jokes worked where it was about talking to animals and animals not being able to be understood. Like, I, I did think... Snitches get stitches being said by the octopus was funny. Mm-hmm. I think the whale saying, uh, I can't believe you're flipping them off while the bad guy just waves. I think, and because they're miscommunicating. Yeah. I think that's funny. But like, so much of this are like the ostrich and the polar bear are off by themselves committing acts of terrorism. The- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, what do we watch next week? Uh, we are watching 365 Days on Netflix. Yes. I already know I'm going to hate this movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, like, I want to be honest. I feel like there's a good chance that Doolittle was the best film we're going to see. I think you were 100% right. Yeah. I, I kind of feel promising towards uh, uh, Fantasy Island, but <laughs> I don't know. I think it's going to be close. Uh, so 365 Days, you can check that out on Netflix right now. Uh, also, uh, for our Patreon subscribers, uh, we kind of threw it out there that we didn't want to do uh, absolute proof because we're not sure if that fits our format and it's not really something we want to signal boost. Uh, yeah. So we put that up to our fans on Twitter. By the time that this is going up, the Twitter poll will be closed. But right now it's active. Uh, and all I can really probably say for sure is we're not watching Absolute Proof. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to take the top two answers on uh, the Twitter poll and we're going to throw them on to an exclusive Patreon poll. So yep. if you want to vote for that, check out our Patreon. You can subscribe for just $5 and have a voice in the things that we watch here along with a bunch of other benefits. Patreon.com slash plus two comedy. Where can people find us? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. Yes, and thank you to Crypt Keeper Matthew, as always, for being a Crypt Keeper. And if you want to talk to me about the good movies where animals talk, I'm at Plus Two Comedy. Uh, if you want to talk about the emotional through lines of high fantasy children's films, I'm at Sprocket League. Until next time, stay doomed.